Hey everyone, thank you for joining us on the Broken Mosaic podcast. If you'd like to hear about a certain topic, or if you just have any questions for us, go ahead and shoot us an email at ask at brokenmosaic.com. That's ask at brokenmosaic.com with an X. Also, you can visit our Instagram page at the Instagram handle at broken.mosaic with an X. This next episode is going to be really interesting. Um, I had an amazing opportunity to talk with Lauren, who um, I had an opportunity to be on her podcast uh, a few months ago, and really was just my first time kind of sharing my story out there in the open, verbally, um, and so I decided to bring Lauren on and kind of as my first guest slash interviewee and really just um, applaud her for being transparent, vulnerable, um, so let's get this started and listen to what she has to say. I promise um, your ears will not uh, be deaf during this time. Lauren, welcome to the Broken Mosaic uh, podcast. I'm so excited to uh, have you as actually our first um, interviewee on today. Um, very um, good, great moment in our first six episodes. Um, <laughs> That's so thank awesome. you. Yeah, thank, Spinny, you for, uh, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. This is so exciting. Yeah, so as an um, audience, if you don't know, I was actually on Lauren's podcast about what, maybe a month and a half, two months ago, has it been? Yeah, it feels like it was yesterday. It does, it does. I was actually uh, on my drive from work today. I was thinking about, you know, our whole conversation, um, mm-hmm. you know, when I first did your podcast, and that was my first time on, um, you know, being being interviewed by um, someone on a podcast, and so... It really, um, you know, it, it changed. It, it changed me a little bit in a good way because I, I was, you know, I was able to reach out and be broken, vulnerable through, um, you know, for your audience and just to, you know, again, my my whole dream has been ever since my transformation to let the light shine on, you know, brokenness and let people know mm-hmm. that it's okay. It's um, awesome. But, I'm so glad to hear that. You know. Yeah. I think it's so good to share your story, you know, on all different platforms. And, you know, it's cool to have the roles reversed today. I'm like, cause like, yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting. I was, I've been trying to think of some powerful questioning questions, but you know, I think uh, rather than um, planning things out, it's better to let it flow. But audience, if you're not aware, um, Lauren um, is an amazing therapist and um, you know, someone who I connected uh, with through, Um, Instagram and she has her own podcast called refuse to sink and it really you know I've actually I've actually used that phrase um, a couple weeks after after that because it is honestly you know um, she that's what she talks about is you know the the refusal to sink in life Mm -hmm. and the the different issues that we come up with so again very excited to have you on let's get started yeah Uh, so tell me a little bit about how you kind of got started in this field. Um, yeah. You know, I, I know people who listen to my podcast kind of know how I got started, but, you know, mm-hmm. necessarily some, most people get started the same way. But what, what kind of led you into the field of therapy and, yeah. you know, making, making awareness? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's really interesting because when I was an undergrad, I had absolutely no idea that I was going to be a therapist. So it really does change. And it's interesting because like when you're little, you're always going to say like, Oh, I want to be, you know, this thing. When I grow up, I want to be an actress. I want to be this. And like, I truly feel that because I feel like we change our professions all the time and you know when I was an undergrad I totally was studying studying criminal justice it was oh wow (laughs) yeah it was completely different and um I you know I graduated with my bachelor's in criminal justice and I did an internship with uh the juvenile probation And I absolutely hated it. 
I hated it for so many reasons because we were going into these homes and we were drug testing these teenagers. And, you know, I wanted to figure out what, why, like, mm. why, why are we testing these kiddos, but not like figuring out what the root problem is. And I just didn't feel a huge connection. And on top of that, I was also being faced with my own mental health and I knew that that was not where my heart was. I was not, I was not passionate about that at all. And I was like, I need to find something that I love. And I started to go down a dark, actually a very dark path after I graduated with my bachelor's. And it was a scary path that I never thought I was, you know, I never thought the human mind can take you to that dark of a place. Wow. But, you know, it really can. And so, you know, after I had graduated, I was just feeling super anxious. Um, I didn't like to leave my house. I had horrible panic attacks, um, all sorts of different things. And it was it was to the point where I wanted to drink alcohol. Like I wanted to take a bottle of wine with me to go to any kind of social event and to be wow. able to function in society. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is a problem. Like I'm having so much anxiety. And at that point, like I thought that I had low blood sugar. I thought I was diabetic because I was like, what are these panic? Like, what is this panic attack? I'm lightheaded. I'm right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I had no idea what it was. And then I finally got the help I needed and it saved my life. Mm. I, you know, once I got therapy and medication and I'll be the first person to say on the mountaintops, medication can most definitely help people, you know, um, right. you know, I, I got on the right track and it inspired me to have such a love for the brain and psychology. And, you know, that's what led me into becoming a therapist today. So I can go into more detail with it, but I figured I'd make it short. No, that's, that's yeah. actually amazing. Um, yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, that inspiring, really, you know, the first thought that comes to mind is just, you know, watching your videos, having conversations with you um, mm -hmm. and, and not knowing too much detail of what you went yeah. through. Yeah. That, that just blows my mind. Um, you said one thing that really caught my attention and mm -hmm. it was, that you weren't aware the human mind uh, yeah. could take you to that darkest of a place. Mm -hmm. um, I, I know that feeling and um, a lot of people, I mm -hmm. think, um, you know, who, who've had mental issues, who've, who've had just those anxieties, you know, got, you know, probably went to a place of their own dark place, right? So I think everyone's yeah. dark place is different because of like mm -hmm. habits and secret stuff, but Tell me, tell me a little bit about how that was like, yeah. how did you know that, Hey, this is a place where I shouldn't be. Yeah. How did you know? Like, you know, because a lot of people, it becomes a norm for them, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like, Oh, okay. I'm here. I, it, it's not depression, but how did you know? Yeah. So I, that's such a good question, by the way. So I noticed that I was in my dark place when I started to, lay in bed for like 12 to 14 hours and not want to wake up and face reality. So, wow. yeah. So I was, I would like just sleep all the time and I would get actually pissed off that when I would wake up because I didn't want to deal with the dark thoughts and the anxiety that was just, it was deep. It was debilitating at that point. It was crippling. And, you know, I sat in that for a while and it came to the point where I dreaded living another day, living another hour, living another minute. And I thought to myself, okay, this is not right. Like, why, why do I feel this way? You know, and I was so confused. I had absolutely no knowledge around mental health around this time. I was this 20 something year old, just getting out of college, trying to figure out life. And it was not, it should have been a really, you know, celebratory 
uh, chapter and it absolutely was not. I was so confused. I was so dark and I didn't know who to reach out to or even I didn't even know how to communicate what was like going on in my mind and body. And I think that was what was so confusing. And wow. Yeah. And, you know, I'll never forget it, Vinny. I'll never forget this. It was right when I had graduated, I would say maybe a couple of months had gone by. And I noticed that I just did not want to live. Like I was at the point where I was like, I, I started to feel a sense of relief knowing that I could end my life. And that was scary as hell. And so once that happened, I realized, okay, I don't feel okay. Like I, I don't feel safe. Like something's wrong. So I had actually called my mom and I was hanging out at their house and I said, you have to come home. I'm not okay. Like something is completely like, I'm, I'm just not right. Something is not right. And so, um, they, she had came home and was like, what's going on? And I'm like, I don't know, but I don't want to be here anymore. And so they had set me up with a psychiatrist ASAP and that's where I started to turn my life around. And I was diagnosed with panic disorder, agoraphobia and depression. And I had no idea like to hear that diagnosis. I was like, what? Like, I didn't know I was that low. And then once I started to get on a small dosage of an antidepressant, I realized, whoa, I can't believe how low and dark my thoughts were. Like, wow. I think, yeah. So I think like when you are in that dark episode, you and you you end up getting the help and you end up getting the medication, whatever kind of therapeutic intervention it is, you are like, whoa, like I didn't think that I was this low until I really got until you got out of it. Until yes. like, you started yeah. getting that healing from, you know, the medication, mm -hmm. the therapy. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I relate to that point mm -hmm. almost. And, I, and it's so amazing, you know, and I, so, you know, your, your story, just, just everything you're saying as far as, you know, just that low and then finally reaching mm -hmm. that point where you kind of realize and just looking back and saying, oh my God, that that's possible. Like, yeah, I can, I don't I do not meet a lot of people that can say that because I've said the mm -hmm. same thing on myself. Um, yeah, how long? So how long did you last in that period of? Oh my gosh, I think how, like, how many months, or years, or? It was months, and okay. those months felt like decades. Wow. So for the people that have major depressive disorder and they deal with this all the time. I give them so much credit or, you know, the people who have schizophrenia or, you know, those sorts of different diagnoses and, you know, struggle with this. Like, I truly don't, I mean, as a therapist, I, I truly give them so much credit for still being present and hanging in there and being alive because it is a very scary space to be in, you know? No, I, I agree. Agree. So, mm -hmm. um, you said something interesting, um, before, and you said you, you know, because of the anxiety, because of how you felt, you just felt like, you know, taking a bottle of wine, uh, mm -hmm. at a social event, or just to make you feel normal or calm down yeah. anxietiness. Right. Um, yeah. It was so cool that you said, well, especially to me, because I've had the same kind of symptoms per se in the past, like, you said you mm -hmm. thought you had diabetes or you had no blood sugar because, yeah. you, you know, heart risk racing or just like, why are you feeling this way? And then the second you have a sip of wine or alcohol, like, oh, it just everything calms. Yeah. <laughs> like, what did you think of yourself that that moment when you finally realized like, yeah, yeah. like, oh, my God, I need alcohol or I, I like this is how I feel, at least that even at a social event, yeah. something like that. Yeah, I was petrified that I started to lean on a substance. Mm. And I, I was like, okay, this is not cool. Like I, I did not 
here's the thing. When I was drinking wine, I felt good. I felt like my depression had lifted a little bit. I felt like I could do anything. I was on top of the world. And then when I came off of it, I felt 10 times worse. And that was where I was like, okay, I'm starting to depend on this alcohol to get me through life. Like if I have to travel with a bottle of wine to go and hang out with my friends and go hiking, like that's a freaking problem. Right. You know? Like, and you know, there wasn't any alcoholism in my family and that, you know, I, like there was no traits or anything. And for me to be able to look at a bottle of wine and look at it as a crutch and look at it as a friend, that's going to get me through. I was so scared because I was like, okay, am I falling into this phase of addiction or, you know, and at that point I was, it was my crutch. It was a negative coping mechanism that I was using to get myself through and it was making me 10 times worse because you know Vinny and I know you're so smart like <laughs> drinking drinking alcohol yeah you feel great it's a depressant you feel great blah 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 but then when you come off of it oh my gosh it right. takes your serotonin levels down your dopamine levels down your low blood sugars off your glucose levels are all goofed up like and that's when you need that another drink. Well, especially yes. I'm a alcoholic, right? It, it, yes. It, so it's it definitely into, scientific and then psychological. Yes. It turns into this god-awful cycle. And I'll never forget this conversation I had with um, the therapist that I was talking with. She said, I was petrified to take a pill, first of all, just to clarify that. Like, I won't take Tylenol if I have a headache. Like, <laughs> I'd rather go natural, do anything I can. So right. the therapist was like, I really think this antidepressant will help you. And I was like, I don't want to change my personality. Like I literally thought they were going <laughs> to cast a spell on me. Like that's where my anxiety was at, you know? And she said to me, think of this antidepressant as your wine pill. And I thought, Oh my gosh, that totally oh, makes <laughs> sense. Okay. And so it sounded so ridiculous, but it made complete sense to me. And so I finally ended up taking it and I quit drinking the wine and the alcohol and I didn't need it. I, wow. I did. Yeah, I did therapy and I took a normal antidepressant and uh, it was a small dosage and it got me back on my feet and I saw the light again. And I was like, whoa, like, you know, that therapist really just saying that silly little sentence it really just stuck with me so so simple yeah it it started transforming your life right then and there Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. well you know i'm 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 probably not the first to say it but i'm I'm proud of you um i you know you you defeated something that a lot of people can't um right you know there's so many people out there in the world that cannot stand up um, and, and not because they can't it's just because you know mental health takes over and they don't have the resources or the support or the know-how or that confidence to um, make that call go take that right step uh, because of the addiction or because of the dark spots and it's not on them but yeah. that's we need more advocates like yourself out there um, thank you thank you for everything you know that you do and everything you've done for yourself I have yeah. So I have my one important question for you. Yeah. Um, really kind of touched touched me. Um, so about a couple of weeks ago, I was watching mm-hmm. one of your, um, I was reading one of your posts, and I believe it was an uh, Instagram um, story also. But mm-hmm. you talked about how your husband back then, uh, before you guys met, came into your life, yeah. and you were in this moment where you had to try to push him away or said, you know, you're yes. broken. Like, why would you don't date me? You're like, yes, and go away. Tell me about that. Oh my I mean, god. That was yes. that I mean, I, I'm a sucker for love. And so honestly, like I <laughs> that's not an easy thing to do, especially for yeah. anyone who wants to be loved, but to say, hey, yeah. no, look, not me. Yeah. Um, so talk about that if you don't mind. Oh my gosh, this is a crazy story. So all right. My husband was actually my best friend. Wow. And we were friends since fifth grade we we dated 
we had a little like dating episode when we were like, was it six? No, it was fifth grade. It yeah. was fifth grade. We dated. And you know that like you're super immature. You date for like, two right. Puppy like love. oh my God, I was going to get married. And <laughs> you know, and so we were super great, close friends and we remained close friends. We actually promised each other our high school year that um, we were going to go to prom. Regarding, you know, regardless if we were in a relationship with somebody else, we promised each other that like it was just a thing. And so we did end up going to our senior prom and we both went to the same exact college and undergrad and we still remained friends like I partied, he partied, we went our separate ways, whatever, but we still remained like buddies, you know, right. So um you know after we graduated we both remained in the same hometown and he you know asked me to hang out and that was uh actually he was the one and a couple of my other good friends were the ones that asked me to go hiking and that was the time that I thought I needed to take a bottle of wine to go have fun and hike with my friends he was actually with them and so that was when you know we were still hanging out and stuff but I kind of kept my distance from my friends because you know when you're depressed you you don't want to burden anybody you don't want to be like that that your type person in the group and be like a negative person you just you don't want to be that that Debbie Downer or whatever you want to call it and you know so we his cousin had got married and we had a couple drinks and we were kind of flirtatious and all that good stuff and you know we started taking our friendship to the next level but then um I would say like within that week I had said you know you don't want to be with somebody like me and I was like and he was like well you know what is this where is this coming from blah 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 and I was like I'm not that bubbly person that you think that I am like there's a lot of layers dark layers within me and so he didn't blink an eye about it he was very supportive and was like listen like you let me know what you need and um I was like what like he wants to like be around me through like this really like (laughs) dark time like why would he want to be around me you know what I mean and right um he stuck towards me and there were times where I absolutely did not think that I was capable of carrying any sort of relationship because I felt like I wasn't able to give my full self to somebody else Mm. and he held on and he continued to help me get through all of this. And he was so supportive with the whole mental health. He was educated with it too. Like he knew he had some family um, that has some mental health. So he was able to be like, Oh, I got this. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's amazing. "Yeah." Yeah. He like, he was educated around it more so than I was. And, um, he held on and I'll never forget. I, you know, we, we ended up staying, we got into a relationship and, you know, I just fell in love with him. I fell in love with the part of him loving all parts of me, even the bad. And, you know, not a lot of people can say that. A lot of people can say like, oh, you know, that girl, she's got some stuff. Like you need to steer clear. He was like, no, like let's embrace it. And that's a part of you and that's who you are. And, we're going to continue to work through it. And not a lot of people are like that. And no, no, I agree. Yeah. And I'm like, I think I got a good cookie here, you know, so, <laughs> you know, and there are definitely, don't get me wrong. Like I am not completely like 100% happy all the time. Therapist. Like I will definitely have my drops in my dark, you know, waves, like I'll go in and out of it sometimes, because a lot of the time when we do have depression, we, we go, we go into dips mm-hmm. or drops, whatever you want to call them. And, um, he's definitely been present for all of that. And he's still trying to understand, you know, what, what it's like being in my shoes, because he's never dealt with mental health. He's a pretty, very healthy person, but, 
um, you know, he has to be able to be strong and be educated and supportive for being on the other side of someone who goes through dips and drops and anxiety and depression. So he stayed with me through a lot and it, it really speaks volumes on who he is as a person. Amazing. You know, so. Amazing. Yeah. You know, you, 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 my, my heart is just like, just wants to hug both of you guys because, <laughs> you know, just the inspiring story of, you know, you don't hear that kind of stuff uh, most often. Yeah. And um, so uh, I have a, so my question for you on, on that mm-hmm. subject, um, you know, you have said that, to to your husband boyfriend at the time um who's yeah. now your husband he's like hey don't be with me i'm not this bubbly yeah. person that you think i am yeah what kind of person did you have to portray being someone or like the use yeah. of maybe a couple of drinks to bring that bubbly side out so you're not this mm-hmm. like you know da- debbie downer um yeah so i masked myself very very well wow and when i did it I was very exhausted afterwards Mm. once I closed the door and I never masked myself in front of my like immediate family. But once I was in front of friends, I was like, Hey guys, like what sounds like someone I know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's exhausting doing that, putting on two different hats and being one completely different person and shifting into the other. And, you know, I was bubbly. I was the, you, they, a lot of them in high school would call me the party girl or the, you know, in college, they call me the party girl. Cause I'd always be like, yeah, like, let's go, you know, but under, you know, behind closed doors, it wasn't that behind closed doors it was like I can't do this anymore like this is way too much and I don't know why like I feel like sometimes those two beneath like sometimes the people who are popular and or the class clown and goof off and have fun are the ones that hurt the most Mm. even stand-up comedians you know like look at Robin Williams Yes, Robin Williams. He wanted to make everybody laugh, but yeah. inside he was so hurt. And I feel like a lot of us tend to do that. And we're like, oh, haha, everything's great. You know, yeah. but underneath of it, there's a lot of layers. Right. So. You, you know, you said that wearing two hats, you know, at yeah. the end of the day, it's just exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, explain that because even with me yeah. you know, I, I like to say I had these 16 personalities I played for the last you know 30 yeah. years of my life and so yeah I never knew why I was exhausted I never knew why I just kept numbing myself coming back from work and pretend to be this career person and pretend to be this great friend and great you know yeah. um, husband son whatever you may call it Mm-hmm. And but you knew that after a while I think you probably figured that out for yourself yeah and, you know like how, how did that make you feel once you realized that like oh my gosh I felt you know a sense of relief knowing that I can't wear all these different hats anymore like I, I just couldn't do it yeah and I'll tell you what it really stuck with me when I was in graduate school and they said don't put on your therapist cap don't put on your regular person cap or your wife cap or whatever hat it is whatever be you in that therapy room and I always took that because I know how exhausting it is to try to be like this professional person and it's like no be yourself in that room be all of those roles in one person And I always took that and it actually works and I don't feel exhausted or drained. You know how like you call like um, somebody professionally on the phone and you're like, oh, hi, Mr. Jones. Like (laughs) you have like that PR voice. Right. All of a sudden it just pops up. Yes. It's it's not real at all. And it's like, okay, take that off and just be you, you know, and it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of practice of just being who you are, but it is most certainly exhausting. And I would say, you know, the one thing that really led me to realize was just the fatigue that I was feeling and the, the, the fakeness that I was giving off. I couldn't do it anymore. I needed to just be all in one 
a variety pack of people. So inspiring. That's so inspiring that you're able to do that now and, you know, learn from and grow from Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I'm down to my last um, major question about, um, you know, everything that we talked about. And um, this to me, you know, comes from, comes from personal experience also because I think that's in a situation, but you had stated that you started to feel a sense of relief that you could, you could end your life. And that was okay with you. And uh, tell me about that. Like Mm -hmm. when you finally got to that moment to say that, "Eh, I I could do this, I can do it and I'll be okay with it. Like, were you scared at that moment or was it just, you're so numb that, yeah. Oh my gosh. It was so much. So there was a part of me that felt very numb. There was a part of me that felt scared. Yeah. And there was a part of me that felt relieved all at once. I don't know if that's a thing, but it totally felt like that for me. Um, I felt a sense of relief knowing that I didn't have to go another day in what I was feeling. That was my relief piece. The scared Whoa. piece was whoa, I'm jumbling the thought of ending myself. That was like, I'm, I'm, I'm contemplating my life right now. Like that was scary. And then I also felt a sad moment. And the sad moment was if you take your, your life, you're going to affect so many people around you. And And like, you're here, this is it. Like, did you ever yeah. get like, oh my God, like that relief, like I'm here, I can do this, but like, I'm here, I can do this. Like yeah. how low have I gotten? Yeah. And what I would say, Vinny, is I didn't have a plan. I had a passive death wish. And, mm-hmm. you know, in the psych, like in the psych field, we talk about a passive death wish as in like, here's an example. Okay. If I'm driving my car and I accidentally, a tree falls on my car and I die, well, oh, well, or if I fall off of this roof while laying down these shingles and I break my neck and die, well, oh, well, it's kind of like not wearing your seatbelt and just being like, F it. I don't really care. You're okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. That was my, that was where I was at. I was at the, I was a passive I had the thought of a passive death wish. Now I didn't have like a plan at that time, but I had the thought of not existing. Well, yeah, you could have probably easily created a plan if you, yes, if you were pulled that way, probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that it's, it's, it's scary because, you know, when I, I have clients that come in my office all the time, all the time. And they're like, I don't want to be here anymore. And I, I feel what they felt, what they feel. And I'm like, please hold on. And I always tell them this, what you're feeling right now is temporary. I said, there is going to be a lift. You have to hold on for me though. And I always tell them because that's what I wish I could have heard when I was in that space because when you're in that space you don't feel that there isn't is a lift or a light at the end you have convinced yourself that there is absolutely no way of exiting this thought this life all of it it was there was a huge wall in front of your thoughts and I always look at my clients and sometimes I get super emotional in my room because I'm like oh my god I was here I was here like I just hold on. I was like, please just hold on. And they've held on. And, you know, I've seen so much progress in them. And it, I think that's the most amazing part of my job is seeing them go from rock bottom to working on themselves into growing up top and climbing up to the top of the ladder. And it is possible, but it takes work. It takes a lot of work. And you know, I think that if they are 100% dedicated or any of these people that are listening, if you are 100% dedicated to improving your mental health, like you can improve it. And there is light, you know, definitely. Yeah, there is. There's light. And I think you and hundreds of thousands of other people, Mm -hmm. you know, are the product of that to say that, hey, you know, there is light um, because you 
know, and I and I hear the passion that comes through your voice about just helping people and knowing that mm. like it's people, anyone can get through it with the right help, with the right support, with the right medication. Um, right. Amazing. Um, so I um, I have two last questions, and they're mostly mm-hmm. focused on um, like certain things you do to help yourself. Yeah. So you said something in the beginning, which I loved, is focusing on staying in the present. Um, yeah. How do you, and or what tools do you use to stay in the present? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, so many. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> I, and, and I have my pen and paper handy for, for myself too. Yes. Okay. So staying in the present, number one, I think is to be educated around your diagnoses. Mm. The more I was educated about my diagnoses, the more I felt aware of my mind and my body and what was happening. Um, so that was a huge one for me um, to be aware to be, I'm, con- I'm still educating myself on, you know, the mind, the brain, how it works, all of that. So that was a huge one. Um, exercise. So important. Um, even if you're doing 10 to 15 jumping jacks in the kitchen, like right. seriously, it helps so much releasing the serotonin and dopamine into your brain. It can be so beneficial. Um, I like to at least jump on that treadmill for 15 to 20 minutes, even if it's a rough day, like five minutes, like just get on there. Just get on. It. Yeah. Yes. Just do it. Literally like the Nike slogan. I swear, just do it. Yeah. Like, it's so true. <laughs> It is so true. So running has definitely helped me. Um, Yoga, huge. Mm. Yoga (laughs) has definitely helped me. Um, Real quick, I will just tell you a really quick story. Yeah, Uh, no, go ahead. I went to this class. It was a yin, Y-I-N, yin yoga class in the Pittsburgh area. And what yin is, is it means like do nothing. Basically, it means like relax and so I was like, whatever, I'm going to do this. And it was all about just doing yoga poses on, um, on the mat. And it was really chill and relaxed. And it was all about stretching out like your hip flexors and all this stuff. And I actually left the class and I cried mm. and it was not a sad cry. It was a euphoric cry. And I had no idea how much tension and stress my hip flexors and my back and everything was carrying. And so doing yin yoga for one hour was like, whoa. And there, it was just a dark room. I was listening to an instructor with other people in there. And I felt so light leaving that class. So I really encourage people to explore yoga. I know it sounds like somewhat feminine or whatever, but I swear you men, you can totally do it. And I'm, you know, I've read a lot of books um, these past couple months on, mm-hmm. you know, certain energies and energy centers within our bodies and, you know, how yoga helps you to oh my gosh, yeah. Um, is that something you use or, or, or getting more aware of as far as, you know, using yoga to connect with yourself, that inner self? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I will say I have not been doing yoga lately. Sometimes I'm kind of like sporadic. I'll, I'll jump around. Like right now I'm in like this running phase Yeah, and then I'll get bored and then I'll, I'll go and I'll do yoga and like, I'll just jump into like different things. But I will say that yoga has really helped me connect my mind and my body together. Nice. And it really is so nice. Even if you're doing like five to 10 minutes of yoga before bed, it's just, it's great. You've sold um, me it. <laughs> yes, I've been yes. telling myself for the past like three months that okay, next week, next week, next week. But and I know it's definitely going to help us with me and or anyone who really dedicates you know that time and um, not even time yeah. but that energy into it because it's not just doing the stretches. It's there's a purpose for those stretches. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, the next one so important, like so important. It is breathing, doing breath work. Um, There's a breathing technique that I do every single day for myself. And I do it every single day in my practice. And it's the four, seven, eight breath. So what it is, and there's TED Talks on this. There's YouTube videos on this. 
You inhale through your nose for four seconds. You hold your breath for seven seconds. And then you exhale your breath for eight seconds. And then you rest for 10 or whatever. And you repeat it. And it, it takes work at first. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. <laughs> and I always tell my clients, like, pretend you're Michael Phelps training for the Olympics. Like, you can do this. Like, if Michael Phelps can hold his breath for so many seconds or minutes, like, we can hold our breath for four or seven seconds and exhale. Like, we got this. It's consistency, you know? right? It's creating those good, positive yes. habits. Yes, consistency and practice with the breathing techniques. It's amazing. It's so, so good. Um, so the 478 breath, I'm a huge fan of. Um, art therapy. Oh, my gosh. Making art. I love, love. And you don't have to be an artist to make art. I absolutely love just getting a canvas, throwing on some Dave Matthews band music <laughs> and just going at it. and like Throwing paint at it. <laughs> And painting, yeah. It's like I'm dancing with the music through what? art making. It's so fun. Yeah. I so, that. That's pretty cool. Actually. Yeah. So art therapy, um, getting yourself a therapist, huge tool to help with any kind of mental health diagnoses. I am a therapist and I have a therapist. Like it's completely normal. So I think having a therapist, it's so important. Music. Oh my gosh, music is amazing listening to educational podcasts, mm -hmm. like Renites, you know, all these different podcasters out there. There's so many right now. You can totally find some really amazing information on that. And there. you know, and more the merrier, to be honest with you. They, you yes. know, oh, there's so many podcasts out there about mental health or this or that. Yeah. Fine with that. Like raise awareness, bring the issues on, have people yes. talk. You know, I, if every American in the world talked about their own subject, then that means every American in the world is listening to the podcast. Yes. I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's so cool. So, yeah, it really is. And I feel like since, um, you know, I started my podcast during COVID because I I was like, I need to do something more with my life. And it just felt right that I needed to do this. And I feel like, you know, listening to different people's perspectives and channeling in on other people's dynamics and stuff, it's really interesting. And it's a great educational tool. So I think listening to other people's views, podcast on mental health, super cool. I know it sounds really nerdy, but. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't think so. <laughs> and like the next one is having a routine. And like you said, unique consistency. So if you're waking up every single day and, you know, maybe you're laid off from COVID or you don't have a job, whatever, you're, whatever chapter you're in, stay at home, mom, stay at home, dad, whatever it is. I think it's so important to wake up the same exact time every single day, like really set yourself up with a routine and consistency, because if you don't, you tend to feel really confused or maybe not as motivated. And I think it's good to have a disciplinary routine and okay, I'm waking up at 7.30 a.m. every single day, including Saturdays mm -hmm. and Sundays. Very know? true. Yeah, our body is a it's a system. So if you're and I talked about this in my one episode, like, if you are partying on a Saturday, Friday night, whatever it is, and you're going to bed at two in the morning, and then Monday morning rolls around at 7am, you're not with it, you're just not really going to be that present. So and it can interfere with your mental health and your the system, your nervous yep. system. And that you, it, so, it's 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 kind of like a shock to your body, right? Especially if it it's is. not something you routinely do. Like I know, yeah. Like my family and and other acquaintances, you know, they'll go out like sporadically once a month or once every three months, and you know, all of a sudden, like you know, for the next three four days, they'll be out because your body is not yeah. used to that. You're you're throwing something at it that it's mm -hmm. not conditioned for, and especially as you age, you shouldn't be partying as much. You should just be more socializing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I completely agree. I think that your sleep schedule it's so important, and your diet too. So, oh. Yes. Oh my gosh, I can't yes. stress this enough. So. 
I actually, I'm going to be doing a episode uh, with one of my friends that I found on Instagram. We're going to be doing an episode around diet and mental health. Oh my God, you're kidding me. Yes. So yes. I'm actually going to be writing a paper for my class on oh how, my God. how nutrition affects mental health. Oh my gosh, you just need to copy and paste the podcast. Right. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll definitely be citing it in my paper. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Amazing. I think it's so important for people to, to know that you eating a cheeseburger and fries and fried chicken fingers or whatever every <laughs> single day, it's not fueling the body. Like the body needs real food. Right. It needs, it needs vitamins. You know, so I think eating clean can really help your brain health as well. Oh so. my God, that's amazing. I am, I'm so yeah. glad that people out there that agree with that. Yes, yes. So down to my last question. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I, I know how it feels to be in that dark place. I know how it feels yeah. to, you know, just go there. And for me, my mind my emotions were condi conditioned so long to be in that dark place mm -hmm. that it became the norm. Um, yeah. I came out of it, you know, the anxiety and stuff I'm, I'm able to control really, really well now. And when I do have it, I have a support system. Um, yeah. But there, there are times where my mind will wander. My mind not necessarily go back to the dark place, but it'll, it'll, it'll mm -hmm. knock, you know, yeah. it'll say, hello, is anyone home? Um, how do you control or, or realize that you're going there and say, hey, yeah. you know what? we need to bring, bring it back. Does that happen to you or? Yes. Okay, good. Yes, it does. It does. And um, TMI, sorry, Vineet, but like. No. Before. Raw and uncut. Before it's that time of the month, I really have a drop in my mental health. Okay, I, I think I, I remember you talking about that. Yes, I believe I have PMDD, and it's like premenstrual dysphoric disorder. And what it is, you can experience some really depressive symptoms, some anxious thoughts. And I swear, I have it. I'm like a freaking different person. <laughs> and so, um, going off of that, like I know that it's there. And the first thing that I do is I let my husband know that I'm feeling a drop and I will reach out to my friends. Mm. And, um, what was it? It was actually last week. And I actually took a break last week from Instagram and from my podcast. And I had said to my coworker, I said, I feel low. And I talked to her for five minutes and it felt really good. And it was only five minutes and she helped me feel a little bit better. And so um, that really helped me. So I know, I know that I have to really reel it in and reach out to my support system. I'm going to take some good vitamins. I take vitamin B. I take vitamin D to help myself and magnesium. Um what else do I do when it drops? Oh, I tell myself it's okay to not be okay right now. Mm. And, you know, I tell myself, like, I, I know that this is going to lift, but I just need to hang on a little bit more. So I will, I really do try to push um, the really healthy, clean eating and all the natural healthy things that I can do. But I also let my support system know, like, hey, I'm kind of on the struggle bus right now. And I think that's really been helpful because I'm not burying it and holding it in. I am expressing it and I'm getting feedback and I'm having people who care about me check in. And it really is a very supportive, helpful thing. So that helps me reel it back in. Um, so there's different things that I think that, you know, first of all, you can, you can start to recognize, like you'll recognize your mind going down that other pathway right and you know whatever you could visit that pathway for a little bit you know you're kind of in it but you can pull yourself back but you have to work on it and you and, and it's it's not easy all the time but you can reel yourself back and I would say reaching out to my support system and just telling them hey I'm not I'm not okay right now and I also know that like 
I know that there's resources in front of me. I know there's the crisis text line. I know there's a suicidal hotline. I know I have friends as therapists. And I know that a lot of people feel shitty right now and I can connect with them as well. You know, so I think it's good to reach out at that point because a lot of the times when we feel dark, we feel like we are the only person that is struggling with that in this moment. Right. Because it's your moment, right? You, yes. It's kind of weird how that works. It's within your present. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why you think you're you're the worst yes. person off in the world. Yes. Yes. Great. Um, yes. Lauren, I, I really appreciate you coming on and just sharing your story, being, yes. being, you know, being vulnerable and just being so transparent. You know, that's what I love about um, just you as a person. And, you. you know, there's no, there shouldn't be any TMI or any like, you know, <laughs> any fallback. It's great to just have you be open and share your story and yeah. help someone else out because I know you will on whoever listens to this. Yeah, um, thank you so much. Thank yeah, you. I would love to have you share like your social media contact information or anything you would yeah. like with our audience. So, you know, people can check you out. Uh, yeah. you go ahead and do that. That'd be great. Awesome. So, again, I want to thank you so, so much for having me on here. I'm so honored to be like your first interviewee on your episode. So this is super cool. And um, as far as social media and everything goes, so my Instagram and my podcast is the same exact uh, username. So it's literally refuse to sync podcast on my Instagram. And then for my podcast, it's literally refuse to sync. So um, it's super easy. I'm available on Apple. There's Anchor. There's Podbean. There's Spotify. There's Google Podcasts. We're all over the place. So um, yeah, check me out. And Vinny is on one of my episodes and it's titled Conquering Trauma. Thank you. Laura, you're such an inspiration. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for all you'll continue to do. We love you. Have a Thank wonderful you. rest of your evening and talk yes, to you. Yes, you as well. Thank you so much, Vinny. Have an Bye. awesome night. You as well. Thanks.